Welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. I love young moms, and it's my passion to encourage you and provide you with tips and tools to make your job easier. Thanks for joining us today. Today's session is I'm Done Homeschooling, 10 Things I Would Do Again. Before we begin, just let me remind you that you can follow us on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and multiple other platforms. Okay, I was not happy when I finished homeschooling my last child. I homeschooled for 37 years, and it became a lifestyle for me. And I know there are a lot of women that say, yay, I'm done homeschooling, Um, but I didn't feel that way. I just, I miss it. But I do have grandchildren, and there's things that I can do with them. But in reflection, I just wanted to tell you 10 things that I feel were very beneficial that I would do again and do more of if I had it all to do over again. The first one is to study each child, their desires, their passions, what inspires them, what discourages them, and and develop their individualized homeschool curriculum based on that instead of sticking with a prescribed program. When I started out, I was afraid I was going to mess them up. I think we all feel that way. So I just chose curriculum and I stuck by it. I did everything in the book. I did everything that the curriculum said. I did it to a T. But it wasn't long before, after I got into it, that I thought, you know what? I think we could cut this out or I think I could add to it. And it was actually many years before I really felt the freedom to just chuck some curriculums and put other things in instead. I wish I had done that sooner, but, you know, it still worked out okay. We, we live and we learn, but that I would do again. I would, I would individualize the curriculum for that child so that they could have a head start on whatever their passions were, whatever whatever God had in store for them by the time they finished high school. The second reason, I would listen to my kids, which I learned to do this, listen to them and ask them for their input. How do they learn best? Sometimes even let them choose the curriculum. Sometimes I would take my kids to a homeschool convention with me and let them look through the different curriculums and say, no, I don't like that one, or gee, this one looks like fun, I'd love to try this one. So, you know, don't feel like you've got to be the answer man and you've got to know what's best for each child because kids learn differently. I think of one of my sons who really struggled with reading. He really had a hard time reading and spelling. And he would say, Mom, None of these spelling curriculums work for me. I mean, I tried them all. And I said, well, how would you think that you could learn best? And he said, why don't you just give me words, words that I'm interested in, and have me spell them? So I did that. At the time, he was very, very interested in hunting white-tailed deer. So I found hunting words, and I would give him those words, and he would try to figure out how to write them. And that worked for him. He struggled with the English language. But it made sense for him to have to figure out how to put that word together. It worked for him. So listen to your kids. Don't succumb to feeling frustrated with, 
you know, all oh, my other kids learned this way, this curriculum's good, you know, why can't you do this? Your brothers did this, your sisters did this. Instead, listen to them, because they are different. They learn differently. And I'm kind of glad he came, like, toward the end of the line, because he learned very differently, and I had to do things very much different with him. But we ended up with the end result. It worked. Number three, let them explore their own interests, their passions. And I tried to do this through the years. I had one son that was passionately interested in rabbits for a while. And he got rabbits and he studied rabbits and he told us all about rabbits and we all learned about rabbits. And that was, that was great. You know, it was a learning experience. I have a daughter that was so interested in photography. And at the time, um, Creative Memories was all in fashion and she would actually teach classes helping women be creative with their pictures and, and creating memories and with their albums. Another son was interested in building and when he was a young teen, he would build bookcases and we knew lots of homeschool families and what homeschool family doesn't need another bookcase? So he would sell them to homeschool families. Another son was interested in genetics and he's got guppies in our tropical fish tank and he started breeding guppies and uh, breeding the ones with the big fancy tails and then selling them to the pet shops. Another son was interested in garden ponds and he built garden ponds and then he wanted to get ducks to swim on the garden ponds and he studied which kind of plants you should plant to attract insects that ducks like to eat and you know he really got into that and he also he would, he would develop these pa passionate interests that he'd keep for a while and he'd, that's all he could think about. He was all focused on that and then he'd go on to something else and that's great. I mean, he learned so much about so many different things. He was into building birdhouses and he studied which kind of birdhouses to attract bluebirds and how large to make the hole and what kind of seed to put out that would attract bluebirds. And we had a yard full of bluebirds for a while. He actually learned how to attract owls, and we had an owl that lived on our patio for a few days. Um, so, you know, let them explore their interests. Another couple of sons were very interested in politics, and before they could drive, I would take them around to work on political campaigns for godly candidates, and um, I remember taking some of my sons and having a baby in arms with a pacifier with an Ollie North sticker on it, because Ollie North was running at the time. Um, just let them explore what they're interested in. They can learn so much. Just to, to emphasize that, one of my sons went to law school and when he was in law school, one of the things they had to do was sit on a board of supervisors meeting to learn how it was done. What his fellow students didn't know was that he had been on the Board of Supervisors, an elected position. He had sat in that position before he went to law school. So he kind of went to law school with having all this experience in government before he ever went to law school. And he started doing that when he was young. Um, he, I think he was 12 when he got involved with his first political campaign. Why not? You know, kids can write letters to the editor. I've got grandsons who are having their letters to the editor published right now. And I think people think they're adults because they address them as Mr. Boyer, but they're getting all this feedback. It's such a great way to learn. Instead of writing some writing assignment that you're going to crumple up and throw in the trash, do something that has an effect. 
The letters to the editor and the obituaries are the most read parts of the paper. So encourage your kids who are interested in that to do that. Some of my girls were interested in baking and one in candy making and she would sell candy at Christmas time to different people in church. They'd buy it by the pound. You know, whatever they're interested in, let them explore it and it can be part of their school. You know, there's so much school, there's so much that they learn to be involved in politics. They have to learn how to communicate. They care to learn to write well because they want their voice heard. So let them explore those passions. Number four, cut down on the busy work. Kids need to be challenged, but they are motivated if they see an end to it. If you sit a child down and you say, do these 30 long division problems, my kids would have taken forever to do it. They would have been discouraged and unmotivated. And I used to do this with my older kids. It was in the book. They had to do it. But then I realized that less is better. You're not cutting out any skills. They're learning how to multiply and divide and all these things, but they're doing 10 problems instead of 30. So I would go through and I would circle 10 problems. And if they could do those and they got them right, there's no need to do 30. Go on to something the next day. If they're struggling, then give them 10 more long division problems the next day and let them stay there until they master it. But kids are motivated to see an end, especially if they're going to get to do something they want to do in the afternoon. They need to get their schoolwork done in the morning so they've got the afternoon to explore interests. Number five, find ways to serve others. And even little kids can do this. I remember when I talked to my youngest and I told her, I want you to have a ministry in church. She was probably 10 at the time. She said, how can I do that? And I said, I want you to pick out a couple elderly people that look lonely. And I want you to go up and give them a hug every Sunday and tell them you're glad to see them or that the, the wife looks pretty or something like that. And she started doing that. Um, she chose a World War II vet to go up and hug. And at the end of church, every week, he would start looking around the building to watch for her to come and give him his hug. It's something a young child can do to really have a ministry. We would go to visit him and, and um, you know, bring him things to help him and things like that. But it started out with a simple little hug on Sundays. Visit shut-ins, visit elderly people. It's just a bright spot in their life to have a young person come and talk to them and tell them what's going on in church and what, you know, they're there. They don't know what's going on. So if you are telling them, hey, this is what's going on, so-and-so did this, it, they just love it. You know, it ministers to them. Bring them lunch. Find out what they like to eat. Bring them lunch and sit down and eat with them. Or if you can rake their yard or clean their gutters, you know, anything, a need that they have, just listen while you're there for needs that they have. If there's a young mom in church that just had a baby, have your kids help you make a meal and bring it to her. And then maybe go over and play with her older kids while she's spending time with the baby or do her laundry for her. You know, just look for needs. There's so many needs around us that we can meet. But you need to take the lead and help your child learn to look for those needs. And then you help them meet those needs. And it's fun doing it. Sometimes we would take another family with us to visit an elderly person, to kind of draw them in. And 
I remember this one family, they came with us and they were a little hesitant, but they enjoyed it so much that they found some other elderly people that they could go to visit. So it's just like kind of training them that, hey, it's not that hard after all. And they enjoyed doing that and it became a habit for them. Number six, be creative with the subjects taught. Kids need to learn to have good handwriting, sure, but just doing mindless exercises is not very motivating. So for instance, with my girls, they wanted to collect recipes for when they were on their own and you know were cooking on their own. So I let them do recipe writing for handwriting. You know, they would find recipes they wanted to keep and put in their little box. That was their handwriting assignment. They wanted it neat because they were gonna have this the rest of their lives. So it was motivation to do it neat. Just a simple little project, but it, it meant something. It, it was valuable. Family history, ancestries. Uh, you know, if your kids are interested in that, let them study family history and start recording it for future generations. So much better than just mindless exercises. So be creative. If your kids know that they want to be a nurse, let them do biology and advanced biology and first aid instead of maybe matter in motion or uh, physical science. You know, let them do what they're interested in. Feel free to plug out something that the school, the government school does, and plug in something that your kids need. Get creative with it. If it's something they're never going to use, don't waste their time making them do it. Number seven, encourage them to try new things. Failure is just a stepping stone to success. Let your kids try things. Um, they might develop a new interest. I, I think of that one son who just constantly had interests he wanted to try, and it was my job to supply the materials for him to do that. You know, we had to go build the stuff to make a garden pond and get the ducks and, you know, invest your money in your kids by letting them try things they're interested in. It's so important and it means so much to them. If you are investing your money into getting materials for your kids to try something they're interested in, that is a way to tell them, I love you, and they respond to that. Number eight, focus on character building. And as you know, that's, we are character concepts. That's what we have focused on our whole life is instilling God's word and building character in our kids. By the way, this book, Character in Action, if you need ideas to help your kids find a way to serve others, this book is chock full of things that we did. The pictures are things that we did. Um, this was actually with my grandkids to help them serve others. Things that little kids can do as well as older kids. So it's for all ages. It's things you can do as a family. And then there's plenty of ideas beyond the stories in the books to take you even further in serving others. Make time for the fun things. Number nine, don't, um, don't get so bogged down in academics that you think, oh, I've got to do this math book. I've got to do all these academics and you don't make time for the fun things. It's easy for that time to get squeezed out. But build it into your schedule. Take your kids around to historical places that they might be interested in. Fill your home with puzzles. Uh, my kids learned their countries and their states and capitals doing puzzles. Sometimes I would do what I call planting a book. I'd get a book that I thought I'd like my kids to read, but instead of saying you have to read this book, 
I just leave it laying around and they might pick it up and get interested and read it. Enrich their lives with CDs and we can help you on that account. We've got lots of history CDs and Bible, but your kids can learn so much history from listening to the stories of real people who lived real lives and it makes it fun. Your kids will be begging for more history. Your home needs to be a launching pad for life. And that's the way you need to look at it. And the last reason, I could list many more, but the last reason is stay home more often than not because it's so hard to effectively homeschool if you're spread up, up over and running around. And, you know, you have to be home to homeschool. Now, I'm not saying all the time. You can take your kids out on field trips. You can go on this, these service projects and all. You can even take kids with you on a rotating basis to do errands, and they learn from that. But you have to be home a lot to homeschool. It's a different lifestyle than people who aren't homeschooling. And I just had to learn to say no to a lot of things because that was what I was doing with my life, and I needed to invest that time in my kids. Build special memories. You know, life is precious. Life is short. Make the most of your time with your kids. What could you possibly be doing that was more important than investing in the lives of your little guys? And remember, any time you spend teaching your kids God's Word is never wasted. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you will join us again next week.